is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. All right, NFL fans, we got an awesome guest for you today. We'll get to him in a little bit. Welcome to the show, Fantasy Football Today. On Thursday, March 8th, Adam David. Yes, Heath Cummings is here. Woo! Pumped I up. thought I was the awesome guest, so I, you're going to have me open for the awesome guest. Yes, exactly. When we have the awesome guest on, Heath will depart. Uh, not in a, the leftovers kind of way, in case you guys have seen that awesome show. But actually, we're going to be talking to Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan. He is basically just a football dude. He knows so much. Uh, he's scouting. I think right now he's at Fordham's Pro Day. So that gives you the idea of how deep he can go in discussing the NFL draft. Um, and we'll ask him about uh, the NFL draft. We'll ask him a little bit about fantasy football. And that will be in about 15 minutes. Right now, I'd like to tell you about our email address, which is fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. It's a wonderful email address. And you can send us your emails, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. We'll be reading some of those later. And you can leave us voicemails at 954 689 3199-954-689-3199. Not gonna get to any today, but next week we will definitely hear some voicemails. 954-689-3199. Uh, go ahead and give us your name and where you're from and then ask your question. Guys. Hey Heath. Yes. You've got Patrick Mahomes in our dynasty league, right? I do. I want to make you an offer for him. On air. And this is based, this is based on an email that we got on our last podcast. I'm going to give you my second round pick this year okay. in our rookie draft and a third round pick next year for Patrick Mahomes. In the rookie drafts. These are rookie draft only picks. Correct. So, I mean, I don't know if that sounds like the best deal in the world to you or not. I can't tell if this was an actual email or if you were trying to make an Azer Trades joke. <laughs> I told ad- you, Adam. I knew, I knew it was no a terrible chance. Actual email. Actual email. All right. I don't think you would do it for any pick outside of 1.01 this year. I'm, I might do it. Would you do it for 1.02? In my current situation, I probably would because I also have Kirk Cousins. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So do you have 1.02? I don't want Patrick Mahomes. Okay. I've got Wentz and Brady. I'm good. All right. Lesson learned. That was a bad, uh, that was a bad trade offer. I didn't make it, but lesson learned for the emailer. I blame you, Adam. I do want to get into Heath's rankings. I did a Twitter poll this morning. DeAndre Hopkins or Antonio Brown? Just to see how people were feeling about it. We haven't talked about that in a while. 70% said Antonio Brown. That's the way it's got to be, but not according do, to Do we run a poll similar to that a- after the regular season or at some point? Yeah, yeah, but, you know, opinions change. Right. I, I feel like we ran that poll before, and it was closer to 50-50. What is the matter with me? I'm just looking at the poll now. I had another typo. DeAndre Ho- Hoppins. I forgot the K. Well, no wonder nobody picked yeah. him. Nobody even knows who that is. <laughs> yeah, Heath, you have Hopkins ahead of Brown. I do, and uh, I I don't feel real comfortable about that, but I expect DeAndre Hopkins to have a larger share of his team's targets next year than Antonio Brown does, and we've seen DeAndre Hopkins basically with anyone other than Brock Osweiler. He's awesome. I expect Deshaun Watson to be back to full strength next year. I'm taking a swing. All right, I, I respect I like it. that. I respect your swing. I, I respect the swing, too. I just I like the track record of Antonio Brown. I put up a couple of Twitter polls like two weeks ago about cereal, and they were two this cereal or this cereal, like two polls comparing two two different cereals. I misspelled three of the four cereals. Like what? Just take Maybe a little time. Maybe you should take these polls more cereals. <laughs> Thank you. Just, well, for I, I misspelled cocoa. I forgot there was an A at the end of cocoa. So you know that was bad. Such a, a rookie mistake. I know. Uh, there's another ranking of Heath Cummings that I'm very interested in. Not a, not nobody did ranked actually Heath, but one of Heath's rankings. Tyreek Hill, you have ahead of Mike Evans and Devontae Adams in standard. And in PPR, I believe you have Adams one, then Hill, then Mike Evans. So you have Hill ahead of Evans in both formats. You have Hill ahead of Devontae Adams and Evans in standard. Now they're back to back to back. But uh, I did think that was interesting. I haven't seen Tyreek Hill going ahead of Devontae Adams. No, I don't think that he probably will. So if you're at the and I, I I'm still really confused on where all of these guys are going to be going. I'm, I'm in a few drafts already, and we're, we're going to see more and more moving forward. I think Tyreek Hill may be available at the end of the second round, maybe even early third. We're talking about a guy, he was the second receiver ever 
with a thousand yards receiving that had a 70% catch rate and average 15 yards per reception. Now there's a little bit more risk with Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback, Patrick and Mahomes in his rookie year, but there's a lot more upside too. Mahomes has an absolute cannon and this team just gave away Marcus Peters. I don't expect they're going to be very good defensively. I expect a lot of chasing the score. Okay, Dave, how would you rank those three? Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, and Mike Evans. I've got Hill third, but they're all top ten. So Adams seven. I've got Keenan Allen eight. You didn't mention Keenan Allen. Just throwing him in there. Mike Evans nine and Tyreek Hill ten. And I think it's real close between them. In fact, in my top 200, that's my 19, 20, 21, and 22 overall. Those four guys. So I, I think that you will see a stretch of good wide receivers. And, and I'm using good. I'm kind of underrating the term good. These are very good wide receivers that you're going to see late round two, early round three, just as Heath said. And and I love that upside that's that's out there for the taking with Tyreek Hill. I think Tyreek Hill is the reason why Alex Smith had the big year that he had last year. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you saw Alex Smith had by far his best deep passing season ever. But that's easy when Tyreek Evans is beating guys by like six Tyreek steps. Tyreek, Tyreek Evans. Yes, Tyreek Evans, the best of both <laughs> I don't players. even know who Tyreek Evans is. Yes, you do. Player, right? Yes. He is uh, beating guys by four steps over a 30-yard dash. So it's a little easier to hit the guy deep. Does he still play for the New Orleans Hornets? No. <laughs> the New Orleans Hornets? Isn't that what they're called? No, they're the Pelicans now. The and, Pelicans? And he <laughs> plays for the Memphis Grizzlies. And he doesn't play because he's hurt. Uh, well, okay, if you look at the three guys, Evans, Hill, and Adams, give everybody their best case scenario. Who's, who's the best player? I think it's Adams, because I think his, his upside is 1212. I don't know if Mike Evans can get back to that level. I think he can come close, and I think Tyreek Hill will probably top out at 1109. See, the thing is, Tyreek Hill, 1183 yards last year and he only played 15 games he set out the last game of the year so I, yeah so then i must be coming in low on that i i think the other thing is adam's upside is limited just a little bit by the fact that jordy nelson's going to be there we know he's going to get red zone targets they also have randall cobb if they keep him if they keep him i travis kelsey's there with tyree kill but that's pretty much it and i do think patrick mahomes is one of the most volatile quarterbacks heading into 2018 you could see him just stink it up in his rookie year or he could make the jump into top seven so if patrick mahomes hits his upside then tyree kills upside is the highest well but but adams has caught 12 and 10 touchdowns in his last two seasons you know yeah i feel safer with adams knowing what his quarterback can do i feel safest Safest with Adams. I agree with that part. I yeah. just think if you're only talking about upside, we haven't seen Tyreek Hills yet. All right. Adams uh, was the number 11 wide receiver in standard, number 12 in PPR. Hill was fifth in standard, eighth in PPR. And uh, they both had – well, actually, that's the funny thing. Hill had only 105 targets. So, yeah, we need we need more targets for Tyreek Hill, but he had an amazing year with those targets. They both had uh, 74, 75 catches. So let's take a look at the news and notes. A lot of defense stuff here, but it's kind of interesting defense stuff. The Eagles acquired Michael Bennett and a seventh-round pick from Seattle for wide receiver Marcus Johnson and a fifth-round pick. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty good for the Eagles. Uh, what Carson do you guys Wentz think? Is gonna, Carson Wentz is going to throw like 450 passes this year. Yeah, do you think that defense is just going to be so much better now that? It, I mean, I think it, they'll just it limits be, the opportunities for this passing game his volume was already low for other elite quarterbacks he just had an exceptional efficiency year this does not help Carson Wentz in my opinion and there's a chance that Russell Wilson is finally throwing the ball a ton yeah well they're expected to release Richard Sherman things are changing in Seattle Sheldon Richardson's a free agent this is not this doesn't even look like a good defense anymore I don't know what they're going to do but not a bad defense but maybe how about just go sign Allen Robinson and decide to outscore everyone you know, if you're going to outscore everyone, then you need Sammy, not Allen Robinson. I was really thinking about this. Like, is it possible that the Cardinals and Seahawks are now the, the two bottom teams in the I thought about that, too. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a chance that they are. I mean, I'm definitely, as of right now, I I am really low on the Cardinals. I think they are terrible. Well, they don't have a quarterback on their roster, so that's going to hurt. Right, and it doesn't look like they're going to get Their line is in trouble. Their receivers are in trouble. And why does that not matter for David Johnson? It does. Thank you, Heath. It does. That's why I'm afraid of David Johnson. 
Like it's hard to be an elite running back on a terrible team. It really is. Now Forte's been able to even do if it. you're getting a ton of t- work. No, like Forte not, proved that, didn't no, he? Like you're right, Dave. Even if you get a ton of work and especially a ton of catches, but it just seems like he has the most bust potential by far of the top four running backs. Well, and if sure. you're counting on 350 touches to be a good fantasy running back, and you've had major injuries each of the last two seasons, it's true. I've got him fifth at running back, and I'm afraid I might be a little too high. Who's fourth for you? Uh, in PPR, Zeke. In standard, Kamara. Oh, so who's third for you in PPR? Who are the four ahead of him? Well, it's got to be Kamara. Bell, Gurley, Kamara, okay. and Elliott in PPR. Yeah, I, I think I want Kareem Hunt over David Johnson right now, but that might be just me being like a little overreactionary. Let's see who their quarterback is. Yeah. If they sign a good quarterback, then that would change. All right, some other stuff here. Jarvis Landry signed his franchise tag, so uh, we'll still see if they trade him. The Dolphins also acquired Robert Quinn from the Rams. The Giants acquired Alec Ogletree from the Rams. Uh, finally, a linebacker. The last time the Giants drafted a linebacker in the first round? 1984. Is that unbelievable? 1984. Who was it? Carl Banks. That's what I thought. Free agent guard Andrew Norwell is believed to be headed to the Giants. So that could really help their running game. Uh, Cincinnati defensive tackle, Cincinnati and defensive tackle Chris Baker have agreed to a one-year deal. And the Mountain from Game of Thrones won the Arnold Sports Festival Strongman Classic, and only one third of us watched Game of Thrones, and that is a crying shame. I uh, I was thinking about going out for that, and I decided, nah, I'm gonna man. let the Mountain win it. He's, I watched Game of Thrones once. You need to watch it again. You need to watch it again. I'd be very excited to watch Game of Thrones right now, but I'm more excited. Guys, we have a new sponsor. Give it up for our new sponsor. Yeah. New sponsor. No, it's actually really great. I mean, sponsorship is very important for us, and so we appreciate their support. And it's really good for you gentlemen out there. The website is forhims.com. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com. Forhims.com. It's a website for, for you, for, for you gentlemen. All right. It's a, it's a very complete website for men, a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. And the URL to go to is forhims.com slash FFT. Forhims.com slash FFT. We're going to be focusing on the hair loss. This is an issue. 66% of men start losing their hair by age 35. You don't want to wait until it's too late. Go to forhims.com slash FFT. This is an easier way to keep the hair you have. Medical-grade solutions. Real doctors offering well-known generic equivalents to brand-name prescriptions and they'll help you keep your hair. So there it is. It's, it's doctors giving you well-known generic equivalents to name brand prescriptions. That's really important here on 4 Not herbal supplements. This is prescription solutions backed by science. And what you do is you go on 4 and you answer a few quick questions. A doctor will review it and prescribe you what you need. You get it shipped directly to your door, and you get it in a generic box, which is nice. Uh, nothing revealing there. So if you want to give it a shot and get a, a trial month for only 5 bucks. You go to forhims.com slash FFT. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash FFT. If you feel like you need to address your hair loss, go to forhims.com slash FFT. Everything you need to keep your hair for just $5 right now while supplies last. You can see the website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to a doctor or a pharmacy. Instead, 5 bucks for your first month. forhims.com slash FFT. Heath, thank you for your time, sir. It was really great to be here. We are now going to bring on our super special guest, Emery Hunt of Football Game Plan. Emery Hunt is the czar of the playbook, founder and analyst at Football Game Plan. He's also a college football color commentator and author of Football, A Love Story, What Did Football Teach Me, and Stiff Arming Football Myths. And here he is. Emery, welcome to Fantasy Football Today. Thank you for coming on. Appreciate you guys having me on. Glad to be here. What is your Twitter handle, Emery? At FballGamePlan. F-Ball game plan. All right, let's get those, uh, those Twitter followers up. He's already got quite a few. But uh, if you don't know Emery Hunt, let's uh, let's find out a little bit about him. So tell us about yourself, kind of what you specialize in. I'm, I like to call myself just a football analyst, man. You know, it doesn't matter if it's NFL, college football, women's tackle football. I've done that. <laughs> um, you know, the draft, uh, I, high school football. I do color commentary for high school football on Friday. So I'm a little bit across the board when it comes to the pigskin and so I like to classify myself as a football analyst played college football at Louisiana Lafayette 
And, uh, you know, now just trying to stay involved in the game. I coached a little bit right out of college and uh, just trying to provide a, a different perspective that's out there for the football fans. So right now we're in draft season. So I'm in my full-fledged scouting mode in addition to um, other analyst duties that I have. But I love this part of the season because I get to really dive into the tape, uh, rank these guys, and try to get the give the fans a little bit of a perspective and, you know, kind of get them ahead of the curve on certain players. Last year I was ahead of the curve on Tariq Cohen, ahead of the curve on, on a lot of these quarterbacks that came out and starred as rookies. So uh, I like to say we, we try to give people a non-biased approach to scouting and just kind of a realist perspective. Can you tell us about women's tackle football? Actually, that sounds really, really interesting. Adam wants to know all the details. No, I, I think it's really cool. I'm glad that you cover it. it. It is, man. I did the. I was the color analyst for the Independent Women's Football League title game this past July up in Salt Lake City, and New York has a team, the New York Sharks. They play out of, uh, I guess that's Brooklyn or Queens. You know, it's that that gray area where it's, it's at Aviation Field, um, and, and these women are, are tremendous athletes. You look at women that played uh, perhaps a ran track, played uh, volleyball, maybe played basketball. They're out there playing full contact football, and it's impressive. And I think it's a, a sport that needs to continue to grow because you're seeing, you're seeing a lot more women want to get involved in tackle football, and it has been around since 1998. Uh, I remember I was a high school senior, and I was up late at night, and I saw a PBS special on this women's tackle football team, which is still around. It's the Minnesota Vixen. I think they've been around for 20-plus years. Uh, so it's it's a unique sport. The women are competitive. And the game I did in, in Utah, this team, with the Utah Falcons, they ran the triple option just as good and precise as the Air Force Falcons. Mm. So it's great to see a ton of athleticism. And I, I can't wait till it kicks off first week of April so I can get out there and check out the New York team. Now we gotta we gotta put together a, a women's league fantasy yeah, league for sure. where we're <laughs> drafting these ladies and putting them on our fantasy team. You know that fantasy is what we do, Emery. And so, uh, first of all, I love that your title is football analyst. Totally get that. That's how I like to think of myself, too. But when when it comes to fantasy, we're always trying to predict what a player is going to do in a certain week, in a certain matchup. I'm curious, what are the things that you look for in a defense before a game that lets you know, okay, this is going to be an easy matchup for the offense that they're going up against, or uh, I don't know, this is going to be a tough one. I'd stay away from a lot of the non-obvious offensive players in this game. Yeah, and that's a great point because a lot of it coincides. It's, it's all connected. If you if you can break down talent, yep. you can coach. If you, you you you're you're going to be on the plus side of, of victories more often than not. And if you can break down talent and also coach, then you can also uh, find the, the best matchups, which means you should be able to win fantasy um, because it's all about finding the boogeyman. You know, finding the weak link, and that's the biggest key. For instance. Um, there was one week in particular last year, because I also do a fantasy football show every Sunday morning on the Fantasy Sports Network. It's called Lineup Lock Live from 9 to 1. Um, and it was one week in particular where I said, hey, this guy is going to go off in, in this particular week. He hadn't had any uh, prior weeks of, of being a, a big-time fantasy scorer. And it was like, well, why would you say that? He's a third receiver. I was like, well, look at the matchup. His talent is better than their third corner. So if I'm thinking like a coach, if I'm thinking this correctly, they're going to exploit him in, until that team either takes him off the field or gives up 200-plus yards receiving and multiple touchdowns, and he went on to have a great day. I can't remember that. I'll have to go back and find it. <laughs> but that's the type of analysis that you can you can find in fantasy football when you're trying to get ahead of the curve. Just look at the matchups, and the matchups will tell you who and who to play and who not to play. Right. So when you're looking specifically at the matchup, and we can – use the one you gave as, as an example, was there any specific data point that made you realize that the third corner wasn't good and that the team who hadn't used their third receiver would lean on that third receiver? Was there anything there that you could point to? Or was it just strictly grinding the film, watching it over and over again, game after game of these players and saying, okay, I've seen enough. I know that this is where other teams have exploited this defense. So I think this team in this matchup this week can do the same. It's and it's always all about matchups. And I think a lot of times we tend to make football a complicated entity, but it's a simple game. And a lot of times if you're it, for me example, when I'm prepping for a game and I'm looking at okay, let's say Jets playing the Giants. 
okay, the Giants have three good wide receivers. I know the Jets may be good at safety, but corners, they're questionable. Passing game should have success. Without looking at statistics or without looking at any breakdown of metrics, just looking at talent versus talent, you know, you kind of, that's how I kind of read it and, and get a good feel for it. And it has been successful in, in doing so. I think that's what you have to look for, you know, because every, because one team may come in and say, okay, uh, this team last week threw the ball for 300 yards. We should come in and throw the football for 300 yards. No, you don't have the quarterback or the receivers that they have, or you don't have the protection that the other team has to help you throw for 300 something yards. So it's all mm-hmm. about matchups each and every week. That's why every week is different. So I, I think a lot of times in fantasy analysis, guys tend to be reactive as opposed to proactive, but because they rely on what happened last, some people don't see it until they saw it already. So, you know, if mm-hmm. you're predictive or, or proactive and understand matchups and talent, you'll be, you'll be way ahead of the curve. All right, Emery, let's get into some of your prospect rankings. I wanted your top four at every position. And this is for the NFL draft coming up. So give me your top four quarterbacks for this upcoming draft. One, Lamar Jackson. I just feel as though he is the ultimate neutralizer or equalizer, so to speak. When you look at football, it's basically 10 on 11 because you don't account for the quarterback being a weapon because that's usually the, that's why it's called a free safety, you know, because he doesn't have a guy that he's relegated for or accounting for. Uh, when you have a guy like Jackson that can make it an 11 on 11 game, there's only a certain amount of defenses you can play. You can't play man coverage because as soon as they turn their backs, guess who's running right behind them? Lamar Jackson. And if you stay in zone with his ability to pick guys apart from the pocket, I think he's vastly underrated as a pocket passer than given credit for. He's, he's mostly inaccurate when he's outside the pocket. Uh, as opposed to in the pocket. So when you play in zone, you have big windows because teams don't want to uh, rush up front because of how dynamic he is as a runner. So they're not rushing. They're giving you big windows because you run certain concepts, you expand zone to man or from man to zone. And then now you have these huge, gigantic, uh, you know, windows that you could throw to. and He's going to pick you apart. So I think his natural talent allows him to be that guy. That's why he's number one. And number two, I have Sam Darnold. Um, I think Donald still has a lot of upside left in this game. I like his ability to make something happen after it breaks down. Um, I'm not worried about the throwing motion. You throw how you throw, as long as the ball getting there. And we've seen people that that has a, that, that that have a football in their hands that legit can't throw. And and people try to make fun of guys that have weird throwing motions, but put the ball in the hand of an offensive lineman and ask him to throw a pass. You know that's what can't throw looks like. You know, so <laughs> Donald can't throw. He can make the he can make all the passes that you need. Uh, I just think that he can get a little bit reckless. That's a little bit of your Blake Bortles or your Jameis Winston um, when you talk about turnovers, but I still like his upside. Uh, Rosen is third. I feel like Rosen is um, kind of like Eli Manning, both the good and the bad. The marginal athleticism is going to yield itself in this day and age of football of getting a lot of sacks, being susceptible to susceptible to a lot of hits, uh, which could equate to you know more concussions, which he had an issue with. Get two, I believe, at U at UCLA, and also he's already been injured. He had a knee injury, or or wears a knee brace. He has a shoulder injury, so he's kind of an old school quarterback. But I do like his accuracy. Um, and fourth is Baker Mayfield. I think Baker Mayfield to me is the college version of a guy like Case Keenum, and I don't think he does well versus pressure. You know, you can go back to the Clemson game in the playoffs. You can go back to this game against Georgia in the playoffs. When the windows are tighter, he's not a, he's afraid to make that tight window throw. Um, and he tends to fold as far as pressure coming from the defense. We saw that against Georgia. I mean, you you just won the Heisman Trophy. And to be quite honest, they took the ball out of his hands in that fourth quarter in that overtime period. They didn't trust him to make certain throws. Um, that That's a huge red flag. But I do like his escapability. He's going to keep plays alive. And he plays a lot like Case Keenan, which is not bad. I like Case Keenan at Houston. But everything was going great for Houston until that conference USA championship game against Southern Miss. And it all went to pieces because Southern Miss blitzed first, second, third down and really shut down the Cougars. Well, so, I mean, the headline here, Dave, is Lamar Jackson is Emory's number one quarterback. I don't, you know, I'm not sure how that would be for fantasy. It would be great to have a guy who can run the ball so much, but... Maybe people would think he's not such a great passer, wouldn't be great for wide receivers, but that's that's still a headline, Lamar Jackson number one. People are very split on him. 
yeah, and and I haven't had a chance to really dig into these quarterbacks yet. I'm kind of taking my time looking at the prospects coming into uh, this year's draft, and I decided to start with receivers this year because that position seems so in flux. But I, I I've seen enough of Lamar Jackson to know that he can definitely make plays. But I'm a little concerned about the the type of competition he went up against in college and whether or not his body can handle playing in the NFL. Not going to question his speed. Not going to question his football intelligence at all. Accuracy, obviously, we can talk about that all day. But that's what I'm going to throw back to you, Emery. Is is I, I feel like he will he could be great if he's in the right type of offense. Like I don't know if you can put him in a typical type of of offense, you know, even like a basic West Coast scheme where they ask him to stay in the pocket, maybe a bootleg every seven eight plays, something like that. I think he's got to be in an offense that specializes in RPOs and certainly the spread. And I, I think he could get away with putting up huge numbers for fantasy in a system like that, especially if he's got some really good receivers on his side. What if I told you that the offense they ran at Louisville is the same exact offense they run in New England? And what if I told you his his receiving core led the nation in drops? Uh in, at Louisville. So let's, let's move that to the NFL. They played in their, the, um, Earhart Perkins offense, which is, you see multiple teams in the NFL run that, and Patriots is the biggest one. Uh, so I think you put him in a situation where the receivers are not dropping it like it's hot to use a, a mm-hmm. to use that phrase. Uh-huh. I think the numbers are going to be there. Even if you take away all of his rushing statistics, the yards and all those touchdowns over 50 and just focus on his past numbers, and his passing percentage, it has improved every year. Uh, the year he won the Heisman, he threw 30 touchdowns, only nine intercepts. This year, he was actually, from an efficiency standpoint, way better. Um, so I think you put him in the offense, especially with his ability to run, just having that threat is going to have those receivers see a lot of opportunity to throw the football. So he's the type of guy that will help out your receivers, but also help your running back uh, game. It's almost like yeah, yeah, good point. When Vic when Vic went uh, to when Vic was in Atlanta and Warwick Dunn ran for 1,500 yards, averaging like six yards a carry or something silly like that, that's yep. what that's what it does because people have to worry about him because of the threat. And when you have that threat to run, you, you could t- trust him throwing the ball 30 times a game because about 15 to 16 of those will be from clean, protected pockets because guys don't want to rush up field. So I think he's a guy that can help out the receivers and also the um, – uh, the running back, he's not like Vic, where Vic was really was a guy that wasn't a refined passer coming out of Virginia Tech, where he literally looked to take off. Lamar Jackson didn't do that as much. Um, he did when, when things broke down and that's, it just so happens he's the fastest player on the field. So, but I think he can help up because that, the offense they played at Louisville is actually a pro style offense. All right. So, Emery, let's move on to running backs now and <laughs> your top four, I assume. Barkley will be number one, and I guess what I want to know about Barkley is how does he compare to Gurley, how does he compare to Zeke, how does he compare to Fournette? Give me your thoughts on uh, the talk of the combine, Saquon Barkley and the rest of the top four running backs. I love Saquon Barkley because the one thing he has that the Gurley or the Fournette doesn't have is the ability to make you miss. And so that right there is huge because that yields itself to being able to have longevity. Um, that's why a guy like Barry Sanders can rush for, you know, damn near 15,000 yards and, and not miss a season. You know, it's all about how can you make guys miss. So com- in conjunction with his explosiveness, his power, uh, his ability to catch the football, which is huge for fantasy. So he's a guy that's going to be out there constantly. Um, and he has the speed to, to rip off the long run. So he's going to be a dynamic fantasy football player, uh, that you can grab very, that you should grab very early because they're going to put the ball in his hands early and often. So he is a guy I would say would be ranked higher than Barkley. I had him higher than Gurley because Gurley doesn't have that wiggle. Plus Gurley takes way too much hit, too, too much contact, which um, we've seen him miss time, uh, either miss games or miss time with end games. And Barkley doesn't do that. So I would rank him higher than that. Zeke was a different animal. Zeke was a little bit more fluid. Um, if, Barkley, if, if I, if I had to use music, if Zeke was jazz, <laughs> Barkley would be, you know, old school hip hop, you know, just something that was just like 
totally different than what we hear now, but it's, it's still phenomenal to listen to. So that mm-hmm. that's my thoughts on Barkley. Okay, who's, where would who you love other... to see him? Oh, I'm sorry, Dave. if he goes to. I was asking about Barkley, best fit for him. You might say he could fit in anywhere, Emory, but Cleveland, New York, Indianapolis. He's going to go to one of those three teams. He's going to be a top three pick. Where do you think he would fit in the best? I think it's a tie between Cleveland and New York, honestly, because you put him in Cleveland, you instantly help out Deshaun Kaiser. I mean, you you saw what happened when a healthy girl was out there for golf. So I think the Browns could be trekking in that direction. And if you put him in New York with an Odell Beckham, uh, uh, Evan Ingram, a Sterling Shepard, my goodness, who? Do, how do you match up against that offense that has a game breaking off, a game breaking back, and also a game breaking at receiver and tight end? This is going to be phenomenal to watch. Uh, how about the rest of the top four running backs, and, and how many of them could be impactful this year? Actually, my number two is Rashad Penny out of San Diego State. I'm a big fan of his game. Uh, he reminds me a lot of pre-injury Willis McGahee at Miami. You know. He's just explosive. He can rip off the long run. They had him returning kicks. And you can't name a, a receiver or a quarterback from San Diego State, which means, you know, teams came in knowing they had to stop Penny, and they couldn't. He ran for 2,200 yards this year. Uh, third, I have Sony Michelle out of Georgia. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of Clinton Portis, a, a do-it-all type back. Um, he's strong in between the tackles. He has a receiving skill so to match up. So he's going to be another fantasy stud for, for folks. Mark Walton is my my uh, fourth re- running back out of Miami. Oh yeah! It. See, we're we're yeah. Miami guys. You keep mentioning all these Miami guys, and now you're mentioning Mark Walton. This is terrific. Walton is Walton is so fluid, man, and it's <laughs> it's a shame that he got injured this year. Otherwise, he would have had a phenomenal campaign. But going back to last year, he was just one of those guys that like the way he's able to string moves together was impressive. And Ronald Jones was my fifth guy because he has that take it to the house speed we like to call it. Where if you get him a lane, he gets outside, you can might as well just get the extra point team ready. Hmm. There's going to be a touchdown. Where's Geis? I haven't heard his name. He's highly rated. Geis is seventh for me. He's right behind a guy that's out here locally, and Chase Edmonds out of Fordham. Uh, Geis is good. Um, Geis, to me, has to learn how to make people miss. Or not just necessarily. You don't have to turn it to Barry Sanders. But you have to be able to avoid direct contact because you can't continue to survive as a running back taking hits. Now, when it's between you and the goal line or you and a key first down, yes, lower your shoulder and, and take the hit. But every other play, try to find ways to where you can, you know, def- deflect the, bo- the blow, get to the ground, maybe step out of bounds, preserve yourself over the course of a game. That way you can still be fresh by the time you hit the fourth quarter. All right, uh, Dave, let's talk about some wide receivers. You ready, sir? Yes, sir. All right, let's do it. Emery, give me your top four wide receivers for the 2018 draft class. I rank wide receivers by different position. Um, so I'll just give you my top overall grades because it's tough to rank a guy like a Christian Kirk juxtaposed to a guy that plays part predominantly in the slot, like a Deshaun Hamilton, right? Because uh, they're going to be playing two different positions. Uh, so I kind of break it up and split ends, flankers and, and slots and also inside receivers. But my overall grades, Kirk would be tied with number one with James Washington out of Oklahoma State. I just think Washington is a polished receiver. He reminds me so much of Chris Chambers when he was playing in Miami. Um, you know, he's 5'10", but he plays like he's 6'5". You, you know, he's he has long arms. He's tracked the ball. He's tracking the ball well. Does a really good job. So I'd like him and Kirk as, as number one. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton is number two uh, because this guy, you talk about route running, it's almost clinic tape how he runs routes. And the reason why route running is important for fantasy owners is because that means he's going to get open quicker, which means the receivers, mm-hmm. quarterback's going to see him quicker, throw the football to him, and that's how he's going to rack up the, you know, the targets, the the receptions, and uh, the yards after contact. He may not score touchdowns, but he's going to be a, a points per reception type of a stud in fantasy. So that's my top three. And then I have a, a log jam for three, four, and five with guys like Antonio Callaway out of Florida. Uh, Calvin Ridley out of Alabama, and I'm a big fan of Cedric Wilson and how he plays out of uh, Boise State, and also Cortland Sutton and Michael Gallup are, are tied for the fifth spot. So you got like eight guys in five spots, and I think that just speaks to how receivers are this year. Is there, there's a lot of guys that are I don't I don't think that there's a clear cut guy in this draft. I know that a lot of mock drafters 
are putting Calvin Ridley at the top, and I'm not sure that that should be the case. Uh, and, and the one guy I'd love to talk about with you is Christian Kirk, who, since our last podcast, has moved into my number one spot among wide receivers, although it's it's a totally incomplete list. But I think he's a great route runner, too. Reminds me so much of both Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate, and I think he could have a day-one impact in the National Football League. Absolutely, man. And the the, the one thing he has that I like, and he reminds me a lot of Odell Beckham, is that he has that explosiveness. You know, it, you never know when it's going to come, but you have a feeling if he just gets the ball in his hands on the move, it's a house call. And you saw him do a lot of that at, at Texas A&M. Remember when he came in, there was a guy that was tearing up the country and he was really good in, in Speedy Noel, and he made him an afterthought, like kind of put him on the bench. And, you know, Speedy Noel just kind of like became a run-of-the-mill receiver because Kirk was so dynamic. And I think what's underrated about Kirk's game is that he can play all three positions. He can play in the slot. He can play the split end um, outside of tackle and also play at the flanker outside of the, the tight end. So you can move him around. You even can hand him the football. I think he's going to be one. He's going to be the touchdown maker, like I made the case for uh, Deshaun Hamilton being the points per the PPR guy. I think Kirk is going to find his way in the end zone way more uh, often than not as a pro. So one thing I've noticed about your rankings so far is they're not exactly uh, jiving with the consensus other than Saquon Barkley as your number one running back, but Lamar Jackson as your number one quarterback and not Calvin Ridley, as Dave said, as your number one wide receiver. Not He's like tied for fifth for you. Is that typical for you or, or am I just misreading? I mean, I don't look at that many mock drafts or that many rankings. I guess it's just sort of the popular opinion. Um, are you kind of a – do you often find yourself going against the grain? I, yeah, I think so. And it's funny because I, I tend to get a lot of flack for it. But when you let it play out over time, people say, oh, wow, that that was you probably was right. Like, no, nah, I know I was right on that. one. So you, know, <laughs> you, have, you have certain cases like that. Like, for instance, last year, I want to say it was maybe week two or something. And the NFL official account tweeted out uh, a Rugrats uh, picture of the of the top rookies or whatever. And it was, you know, Leonard Fournette. Um, Delvin Cook, Christian McCaffrey, Kareem Hunt, Tariq Cohen. And somebody tagged me in a tweet. It was like, yo, this was your top five running back rankings. I was like, yeah, it was. Oh. But people, nobody had uh, Kareem Hunt or Tariq Cohen in the top five but but me. And so, yeah, my rankings tend to be a little bit out out the box. But sometimes, I don't want to say I'm always right, but sometimes I, I may be on the right side of it. So a lot of it is just kind of trusting what you see. Um, your your I mean your eyes will never lie to you guys. Like it's football is so easy. If you see a guy breaking long runs, then doggone he's gonna break long runs in the NFL, you know. So it, it's not that complicated. I think a lot of people talk themselves into maybe a player. Last year it was Joe Mixon, um, but I was like, you know, Joe Mixon is just kind of he doesn't have the vision for the position. I think a lot of people love the idea of what Joe Mixon can do than what he was actually doing on field and it kind of worked out that way as a rookie so it's all about just trusting your instinct and not being afraid to be wrong Mm -hmm. um if i was wrong in something people will let you know you got to own up to it but when you're right you just got to keep quiet and just keep on working because your process actually uh has good results there's also the reality that you could be right about how good a player is and he's just misused with the team that he goes to or in the case of alvin Kamara, who i would imagine was not in your top five at running back last year got used in a way that was beyond expectation. So I, I really think that a huge piece of the, we could sit here and talk all day about all these prospects, but it really doesn't mean anything because it comes down to where they fit in and how well they, they work with the offense that they join. Exactly. And you brought up a great point with Kamara because I had to explain that to uh, folks that were saying, well, why didn't you have Kamara high? And I said, well, look, it's about usage. To be honest, if, Elijah McGuire was in New Orleans, he would be he would have been Alvin Kamara last season. So the fact that he's <laughs> with the Jets and not getting utilized, people think that was a misevaluation. But he's not getting utilized. And if Kamara was in New York, he would have been behind Bilal Powell and wasting wasting space essentially. So you're absolutely right. It's all about usage and where you go. It just worked out great that uh not only did he go to New Orleans, but Sean Payton actually realized, hey, I can run the ball and win and not ask Drew Brees to throw the ball 65 times a game. Yeah, yeah. You know, during the season last year, he kind of got away from that and he lost those games. 
But when they won, it was because the, running, the rushing attempts was way more than their passing attempts. Emery, I want to get your opinion on some of last year's stud NFL players. So why don't we wrap up uh, on just give me give me your tight ends that you like in the draft this year, and then we'll kind of focus a little bit more on NFL players. But who are your top four tight ends, and, and do you think they can have an impact uh, in 2018? Yeah, t- my tight end position is just like my receiver position where I rank them by inline player, flex player, or H-back. Uh, but but number one, I like Jalen Samuels of uh, NC State, you know, because he's a Swiss Army knife. I don't view him as a, a running back or a fullback or a tight end. I think he could just play it all. Whatever you need, he can do it. I think he's going to be a PPR, you know, dynamo in, in the NFL as far as fantasy is concerned. I like Dallas Goddard of South Dakota State. He's going to be the matchup guy, the Travis, Travis Kelsey type, along with Mark Andrews. I like the comparison he said at the Combine. He compares himself to Jason Witten. That's a comparison I gave him, too, um, when Witten came out of Tennessee. So I like those guys. And um, Travis Conklin of Central Michigan, health permitting, he's outstanding uh, with the ball in the air. He's a, he's a guy that's going to go up and, and grab it and, and be a matchup nightmare as a pro. He was a little bit banged up at Central Michigan, especially this past season. But last year he was killing guys in some big-time games as well. And, of course, if you want to see these rankings, you can go to footballgameplan.com. Uh, very cool website, and uh, yeah, check it out, footballgameplan.com. So let's talk about some players, some kind of younger players who were studs last year. You already talked about Alvin Kamara, but let's go to Deshaun Watson. And how surprised, if at all, were you by how productive he was on a per-game basis? Deshaun Watson was the best fantasy quarterback. Do you think that was legit? What do we expect going forward for Deshaun? It was legit. He was my number one quarterback last year in the draft class. And the reason why... I liked him a lot was due to his fearlessness to throw the football. Um, a lot of times we talked a little bit about it with Baker Mayfield. You know, if, if it's not clearly defined or wide open, he's afraid to throw it. Watson's going to throw it regardless, uh, which can be good and bad, which is why he had a lot of interceptions um, at Clemson. And he had some interceptions uh, in the meat of his, his uh, playing early in the NFL, but he had a lot of touchdowns. And it was also because of the threat of him, of him running. So teams played him differently, uh, which is the point I was making about Lamar Jackson. So it's not a surprise. And you have to like that he's going to have another full offseason with these same group of receivers. Uh, the chemistry is going to be there. And he doesn't have to worry about competing for the job with Tom Savage, who I don't even know why they even wasted the time <laughs> of having him as a starter when it only lasted a half, you know, before he realized he was Tom Savage. So I think that's just going to bode well for these guys to hit the ground running, throwing the ball. I wanted to actually ask him, ask you, Emery, about rookies last year that weren't necessarily household names, like like Deshaun Watson. Everybody knows who he is. People are going to take him in round five or so in fantasy drafts this year, maybe a little later than round five. Uh, but I, I wanted to ask you about Tariq Cohen, Jamal Williams, and, and running backs who certainly weren't headliners by any stretch. They did have some good games. Do you think that they have opportunities to see their roles get bigger? Is there one you like better than the other? Is there a running back who wasn't a, a headliner last year that you think could come out of the woodwork this year and help fantasy owners out? That, that's a great question because there's there's like three different answers I can give. Um, Cohen I liked a lot uh, coming out, obviously, and I think he has the you know the chance to be to build on what he did last year. Because of the situation, new coaching staff realized that this guy is dangerous with the ball in his hand, so we're going to have to find ways to give him the football. Um, I think the best way to, to, to you know, solve that issue, uh, that problem that these coaches create that they say that they have, is just by simply turning around and handing him the football. I would imagine if he was running the football more so than Jordan Howard, who loves running into the back of linemen. You know, Cohen probably would have 2,500 yards with the amount of carries that Jordan Howard gets. But that's why they got to find ways to get him the football. So I think he's going to have it because of the offensive system he's going to be in. The guy that I'm, I, I liked a lot last year as well, he was actually my sixth running back, was Jamal Williams. The problem is because my 11th running back in that draft class, Aaron Jones, is also good. So I think those two guys will probably find themselves splitting carries because Jones is just as fluid of a runner as Ezekiel Elliott, and he showed that last year when he was when he got the opportunity of how just fluid he was able to find the holes and accelerate through and score touchdowns. So I think those two guys will cancel each other out. Uh, I think in fantasy they like to call it handcuff backs. You know, right. guys yes. tend to handcuff the other one. Um, 
So I think that that's going to be the case for those guys. Now, if there's a guy that I like this year um, that's going to come out the woodworks that was a last year draft pick, it's Joe Williams out of Utah who plays for San Francisco. Oh, I've got a long history on this podcast with Joe Williams. <laughs> Joe Williams is explosive, man. And I think when you have a, a coach openly vouching for you and campaigning for you to draft you and they ultimately do it, you're in his future plan. So I think this year is going to be big for Joe Williams. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. All right, keep an eye on Joe Williams. I want to ask you about uh, Melvin Gordon and basically what you make of the yards per carry stat. Because I, I know it doesn't tell us how good a player is. I mean, like Todd Gurley didn't have that great of a yards per carry in 2016. But it is kind of puzzling. Like, I see Melvin Gordon, and, and it's like his talent sort of jumps off the page. But at the same time, he's under four yards per carry two straight seasons. uh, Three straight seasons. 3.5, 3.9, 3.9. What do you make of that? Like, how good is Melvin Gordon? I think he's really good, man. I was having this philosophical debate with uh, my homeboy, who's who's a coach um, and a teacher, and he also played running back too. And we always talk about the arbitrary four yards a carry number for yards per carry. It it looks better because it's a nice round number. But he brought it up to he brought it to to my attention. He was like, "Look, man, I don't care if you average three and a half yards a carry." You know, you get the ball three times, that's the first down. I was like, hey, you know, you, you're right. <laughs> so I get it. I, I think with a guy like Gordon, um, a lot of his issues is, is similar to what you see with Ronald Jones. Um, they tend to not be patient enough, and they don't have that lateral agility to overcome that. So they run into the back of their linemen, or they may trip over their own feet and fall down, um, and that causes them to have such a low yards per carry. But when they do get that lane, it's a touchdown. And so I think for certain backs, you kind of, it's give and take. I know Jerome Bettis had that thing where you knew you, it wasn't going to be, you know, the six yards a carry that you saw with other backs. So you're willing to, to, you know, uh, excuse his, his three and a half, 3.9 yards a carry because you knew at the end of the day, it, if you, if you go for the long play, the yardage was going to be there in the end. Right. I feel like wide receiver, for fantasy in 2018 is going to be a boondoggle for fantasy <laughs> owners. I think you know who the studs are going to be, but we're going to need to work hard to find breakout players and guys who take advantage of the opportunities that they hopefully get as soon as training camp opens and they hang on to through the preseason. Do you have your eye on a couple of wide receivers who aren't household names who could um, either either hit the 1,000-yard mark this year in fantasy or even seven touchdowns, someone who could be productive to that uh, a good enough degree where they would finish as a top 25 type of fantasy receiver. I'll give you two guys. I, I like giving right. both players, you know. Um, Amara Darbo, of coming out of Michigan, he's with Seattle. Let's see, yeah. Yep. You know, I, I think he's going to be a, a very good receiver. And, and Josh Reynolds of Texas A&M, who's now with the Rams. Um, mm-hmm. Those two guys – are so explosive and so dynamic. And they do a great job of just winning the contested catch and also tracking the ball. I think with the way the offseason will progress, it'll push those guys up the depth chart, which will then push those guys into the realm of, you know, the targets per game conversation. And with Reynolds, you know, by him being so doggone good after the catch as far as acceleration and running away from guys and getting to the end zone, I think that's going to be the deep threat in that Rams offense, and Darbo is going to, if they allow Paul Richardson to walk, Darbo is going to fill that void and be that breakout player this year in fantasy. So Reynolds, theoretically, would just replace Sammy right. Watkins. Yeah. Bingo. And I think, because when they drafted him, I was like, man, that's a really good receiver. He's actually my number two splitting in, in last year's class. I was like, but he's going to a tough spot. How he's going to get on the field with them bringing in all that talent, you know, especially with Cooper Cup. And I was like, they got four receivers that's going to play before they put Reynolds on the field. So now you create a situation where you're not going to re-sign Sammy Watkins. In comes Josh Reynolds as the, the X opposite of, um, you know, uh, Woods and Cup in the middle. Okay, that's how they're going to get him the football, and that's why they picked him up when he did late, later on in the draft. Am I crazy for expecting a lot out of O.J. Howard in year two? You know, not really, man, because Winston wants to go to him, they just, you know, 
Swamp would, I guess, is a good problem to have. They just have so much talent. Yeah. You know, one guy on that team that a lot of people don't know about is the the tight end Anthony O'Claire from Laval, uh, the Canadian guy. You know, you you look at him as a as a viable option as well too. So you know, it's I, I won't say breakout. I would say he's probably going to be a five touchdown guy. Um, he's going to have probably a lot of receptions. Uh, as far I'm talking about OJ Howard. So I just think the way their offense is going to be set up. If it's not Cameron Brake getting into the end zone consistently, um, I think Howard is going to, you know, replace that production. But he's also going to get it cut in half because Eau Claire is going to be just too good to keep off the field. Do you think that OJ Howard has superstar potential? Maybe not in year two, but at some point down the line. Because I have said that I, you know, what, what the hell do I know? But that I think he's like the best chance we have for the next Gronk. Uh, really rare talent. That's the way I see him. Do you share those views? Is he is he an elite talent, OJ Howard? He is. He's just in a, a pedestrian situation. Right. Like imagine OJ Howard in New Orleans, where they were dying for a tight end. Yeah. Um. You know, they was getting squeezing the life out of Kobe Fleener to get what they got from him the last couple of seasons. But that's that's where you know where you guys talked about fit is so important. But he is a superstar talent. Tight ends are not supposed to run that fast and that fluid. So if they could find ways to get him the football, then I think he he, he knows what to do with it. Emery, who's the best wide receiver in football? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a tough question. Right? I, you know what? I, I'm big on game breakers, man. I'm going to have to say uh, Antonio Brown. And the reason why I like Brown over Beckham, is that Brown has, even though Beckham has that to a certain extent, I cover a lot of Giants games out here, and and it seems like when the Giants need a big play, they know they can go to that backside slant, and he takes it the rest of the way for the game-winning touchdown. But Brown is so money at all three spots, and and Brown does it, Brown runs like he's on elliptical, where it's all one motion. Is you, you don't know if he's running fast, but it's consistent. Whatever his speed is, it's from the start of the play throughout the end of the play. He's winning 50-50 balls. He's winning contested catches. He's winning short, deep, intermediate. I think he's the best receiver in football. Okay, let me bring you in on some of the other controversial topics of this show. <laughs> uh, okay, Believe Dave, it or not, that was a controversial topic. That, yeah, it was. Is Antonio Brown, like we even started this podcast with Antonio Brown versus DeAndre Hopkins. In fans. And I like I like Nuke. I think he's awesome. But I think AB is is the best there is right now in the game. So... Now you're gonna get in the weeds with more stuff. Go ahead. Wait, but here's the thing. Like, like last year, 2016, I guess, I said that Beckham was better than, than AJ Green. And people were like, were, were really ripping me for it. I don't think there's anyone in the world who thinks Green is better than Beckham now. So, I'm not, you know what, every, I'm not afraid to be wrong. I'm gonna make some bold claims. That's all. Um, and one of the things I said was that, Calvin Johnson, what did I say, Dave? That Calvin Johnson was- He was the, the best receiver no, of all time. Second best. Second best receiver of all time behind Jerry Rice. Uh, most people disagreed with me. Uh, my take was that, like, you know, he didn't do it for as long as Randy Moss, uh, but um, just just the most dominant football player, really, in his era. Like, we lived in the Calvin Johnson era. He was the entire offense for, for so many years there. So I think that Calvin Johnson is the second best wide receiver of all time. Who do you think is the second best wide receiver of all time? Man, I'm going Randy Moss, dude. Like, you, you're not supposed to be six five running a four two and being elusive. Like, people forget he returned punts in college. That doesn't even make sense. You know, you expect someone shorter to return punts because you have to be shifty. But this dude returned punts, and Randy Moss was like automatic. He was the 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 human form of get out of jail free card or breaking case of emergency type player. Where if you're the Vikings, you need a big play. Okay, we're just gonna throw it up to Moss, and he's gonna go get it. It's true. And it worked out. Nine times out of ten. So I, I would say Moss. I probably would put um, Chris Carter third. Wow. You know, because of his hands, man. Like, you know, I'm big on hands. Like, I don't care how tall, fast, short, slow you are. Can't you catch? I need you to catch first, and we'll figure everything else out later. Okay. All right. I like that. And then, Dave, obviously we have to talk about this one. Uh, you've seen Jerry Maguire, Emery? Yeah, I've seen it. Do you think it's a football movie? Yeah. Um, listen, if Die Hard is a, is a Christmas movie, that, that's the other one. Do you think Die Hard is a Christmas movie? The, if Die Hard is a Christmas movie, then by dog on it, 
then you have to say Jerry Maguire is a football movie. But, 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 but neither is the case. But but ni- but neither no, is the case. It, it is the case, Adam. <laughs> okay. I have a question for you guys. Where do you guys rank the program as far as football movies is concerned? Dave, I'll let you take that one because I'm embarrassed to say I've never seen the program. You have never seen the program. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Mega two of us. Oh, oh. no. So I, I think Emery's giving us homework now. Yes. I'm giving you guys homework. Oh, my goodness. Listen, when you watch the program, the program is what I thought college football was going to be like when I got there. <laughs> and, I mean, it was 65%. Now, I went to a mid-major FBS. Had I gone to Florida State or something like that, then it probably would have been 100%. But it was at least 65% of what I thought college football was going to be like when I actually experienced it. But I cannot believe you're talking football movies and you guys have not. <laughs> well, we're not talking football movies because Jerry Maguire is not a football movie, but is, uh, <laughs> is, is the program better than Rudy? Absolutely. Oh, okay. The, listen, when you, when Rudy was a, a, you know, it tugged at the heartstrings, right? Yes. But the program was actually, it covered, you know, paying players. It covered, uh, Heisman Trophy. I mean, when you, t- when you look at the school that they talk about, uh, it's ESU. When you look at ESU's non-conference schedule, my goodness, you know, in conjunction with all that was going on with the program, it like it is the college football movie. You have to see the program, all right. All right, including I'm all that stuff, and it has Omar Epps in it, a young Omar Epps. Oh, he's awesome. You know, yeah, you got it. You got it. You got to check that out. I I I'm running the blockbuster. I'm going <laughs> to run it tonight. You know, Major League Two has Omar Epps in it. That doesn't make it better than Major League One. You know, it's not. It's not a, t- a tiebreaker here or anything. Just, just saying. Um, all right, let me read an email, an NFL draft email for you, Emery, and then we'll let you go. Uh, this is from Grando Rain in Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh no, that's the wrong one. It's this one, Jerry from Salem, Oregon. Uh, want to pick your brain on Royce Freeman? Where do you guys see Royce Freeman ending up? What round? I think Freeman is 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 a underrated back. I think he's going to be a third round back. And I I came in, you know, when someone hangs around college football a lot, you tend to you, you first you overrate them, then you realize like, yo, he's he's actually pretty good. So when people were talking about Freeman maybe two years ago, I was like, yeah, he's okay. He's you know, he's all right. But when I really put him under the microscope and started watching his tape, I'm like, wow, this guy has good all around game. Uh, you know, in a way that he's going to play a long time because he, he can do a lot of things well. So I think he is one of those guys you could probably find in round three that's going to be a productive pro. I don't want to call him Jordan Howard, but he's going to have a Jordan Howard like rookie season where he's not going to be the top back, but it's going to go over a thousand yards and probably have nine touchdowns oh. because he can do a lot of things wow. well. Right, I think it totally comes down to where he ends up, though, because he is a big banger like that. But if he ends up on a team that doesn't use him the right way, like we've talked about earlier, then I, I'm not sure he he gets to that realization of what what, what Emery just said: tons of yards and tons of touchdowns. Yeah. If any back gains, if any back lands in Seattle, I would say grab that back early. You know, if they take a back early, grab them because Seattle is sure. dying for a tailback. Absolutely. And let's get them some offensive linemen and a running game. And Emery, thank you very much. Maybe we'll check in with you after the draft and we can really evaluate these players when we find out where they land. Appreciate that, guys. As always, it was fun. All right. You can talking football with you, Emery. Yeah, thank and, you. And catch Emery thank on the Fantasy Sports Network for sure and go to footballgameplan.com. Emery, have yourself a great day. Thanks, guys. Go watch the program. <laughs> <laughs> We're on it. So, Dave, let's finish up with the emails, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Next week, voicemails. This is from Grando. I started reading this. Dear Captain Kirk's Cousins. I don't know if I get that. Oh, Captain Kirk Cousins. Right, I get you. Yeah. I changed my league setting to a third RB slot with the added measure that the third running back had to be a teammate of one of the other two running backs, and it worked out well. I'm doing the same. I'm thinking of doing the same with wide receiver and tight end, or wide receiver slash tight end. So I guess you'd have to be a teammate of a wide receiver or tight end. What are your thoughts on doing this? How weird. It's it's unique for sure, but what happens if you don't have that guy? Here, Here's what I would suggest is it's got to be a teammate, period, of that guy. So if you've got a running back, say you've got Jordan Howard on your team, you have to start a teammate of his every week, and you have a teammate spot. So you don't have to make it where you're starting three running backs and two are running backs on the same team because what if one of those running backs gets hurt and you don't want to start some crappy fourth stringer? Yeah, it's weird. 
Right. I'd rather I'd rather have a have a teammate. I mean, I I wouldn't want to play in a league like this, but I totally applaud people who do fun, creative things that that are just different. So, you know, don't invite. Would it me to your change league, your draft but... strategy a little bit? I think it would. I, I think, think you'd so. Try and collect Absolutely. players from teams that you think are going to blow up. Well, not just that, but you look at like running back tandems become a lot more interesting. The Packers guys would be interesting. Jordan Howard's Falcons, would be a really Falcons good one. Guys. Oh, the Falcons that would be great. Great. Yeah. All right, this is Kyle from blank and blank. I don't Kyle know. from blank and blank. Yeah. So it's a town that's got and in it? Maybe. Nah, this dude is from Fresno and Dover. Yeah, he's moved around. Dear Rocky, Colton, Tum Tum. Three ninjas. Yeah. Zeke in the second. You didn't know that. I, I know that we've gotten that one before. Yeah. Zeke in the second, Derrick Henry in the sixth, or Deshaun Watson in the 15th? Zeke in the second, Derrick Henry in the sixth, Deshaun in the 15th. I think it's got to be Zeke. Hate to give back to Sean Watson in the 15th round, but Ezekiel in the second is too good to throw back. Here's Aaron from the wet and windy west of the footballless island of Ireland. Ooh, all right. I play in a 12-team standard dynasty That sounded good to you? Well, it's a cool intro. It, that it is. With Nagy's arrival in Chicago and his likeness for versatile pass-catching backs and Tariq Cohen on the roster, does Jordan Howard's stock take a hit? I don't know if it takes a, a big hit. It could be a little bit of a hit. But I still see Jordan Howard leading the way, in certainly in carries, certainly in touches. But I could see Cohen pick up a lot more receptions this year compared to last year. Dave, thank you very much. This was a really fun podcast. You liked it, huh? I knew you'd A lot like it. of information like it, out there. Mm-hmm. And it just I, I am so far behind on this draft. Like it's okay. we we could have we could have asked Emery about like some random player from North Dakota State or something like that. Yeah, he, he would have known. He would have known. Yep. Absolutely. And I'm like, oh yeah, you know that guy's good too. You know, so not a lot. I I, I got to get up to step and got to get to yeah. know these prospects. And I like the if if Die Hard is a Christmas movie, then Jerry Maguire is a football movie. Like that makes sense because they're both wrong, which is fine. But at least be consistent. Good stuff. For Dave and Heath and Emery Hunt, thank you all for listening. We're back next week with more.